Welcome everyone, it's been a while. My your host Michael Amorgan and well like I said it's been a while and we have a special guest with us here today just to help commemorate us being back, which is Jenny's shoe from Spellbreak, uh Pro Lariat. Uh Jenny, if you would like to introduce yourself. It's actually pronounced shoe, like a shoe. <laughs> I know, it doesn't look like it, but that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> so, Jenny, and sorry for getting uh, your name wrong a bit, but, um, right. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do at uh, Prolariate Spellbreak? Because I know you um, used to be a community manager, and now you are a producer. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Awesome. Thank you. Um, hi, I am Jenny Shu. I am a producer at Proletariat working on Spellbreak. And most recently, I've been working specifically on our cosmetic content pipeline. Okay, so when you say cosmetics, can you tell us a little bit more? more Sure. So um, from a cosmetic standpoint, you know, we are always trying to hit a really aspirational goal. We want people to be able to run around in this world that we've created and, and have a representation of themselves that, you know, makes them want to hop into the world and show off what they've got in the skin. So there's, you know, all sorts of inspiration that happens in the early stages of developing cosmetics. So we typically brainstorm as a team. Um, come up with ideas for things that we think players would like to see. So for example, we just recently launched our Halloween content because we thought, you know, people want to be uh, spooky characters during spooky season. So um, yeah, that's really the inspiration happens from a team standpoint. We get in a room, we talk about it, it usually happens, you know, months before players actually get to see it in game because there's a lot of lead time to creating these cosmetics. So, um, but we love hearing feedback from players and, and ideas for cosmetic content as well. So if you have something that you want to see in the game, then, you know, shoot us a message in our Discord and we'd love to hear about it. So it's more a matter of getting cosmetic items that you just can use for fun. It's not going to alter the gameplay and it's just a little microtransaction here or there. Yeah, so it's so the game is free to play, and we felt that that was really important. We wanted um, a game that was accessible to everyone, regardless of you know what sort of financial situation they were in. So microtransactions are great because you know they keep they keep the studio lights on, um, but we wanted to make sure that the uh, you know the core gameplay content was there and available to all folks. So, like I mentioned a little bit earlier on, you started as a community manager for Spellbreak. Um, can you tell us a little bit more how that you transitioned to become a producer? Sure. So, I joined Proletariat back in March of 2015, and I started on the community side of things. So, community management, social media, working with our content creators. And that was what I spent the first two and a half years doing at Proletariat. So that was from World's Domination, which was our first mobile title, um, all the way through Streamline, which was our first PC title. At the time that we first started working on Spellbreak, really early on in the prototyping phase, you know, we decided, hey, we think we've got something here. We really want to put the entire team on it, focus on it 100%. That means, you know, it's time to sort of move away from working on World's Domination, working on Streamline. And so as a community manager, when the games are getting sunset, you know, there's really not 
enough for me to be doing. So they're like, you know what? This seems like a much bigger project. Let's see if maybe we can transition Jenny from the community side of this to the production side of this. So I actually think that there's a lot of overlap between the two roles. It's just that community is very external focused, whereas um, production is very internal focused. So my day-to-day before would be engaging with players, uh, making sure that their concerns are heard, making sure that bugs are escalated to the QA team. And now internally, my focus is really making sure that I'm removing any roadblocks from the developer's schedules, um, their workflows to ensure that you know the content that we want to bring you gets completed and gets out to the player base on time. So um, yeah, a lot of similar skill sets, communication, um, keeping an eye on schedules, but with a more internal focus now. So I do have to ask, Spellbreak was in alpha and beta for a while. Why was that? And can you tell me why the sudden jump to go live? So yeah. Spellbreak, we have been working on it for over three years now. And it's really important to us as a studio. This has always been in our DNA that we are sort of community first. We like to get things out there early and get players, you know, in there giving us feedback and making sure that we're working together to really craft the game because, you know, as important as it is for the team internally to, you know, feel really bought in on the vision, we're bringing it to players. And so we wanted to make sure that from an early stage, we were getting that feedback and we were able to sort of iterate on the core gameplay with them. So we were in early alpha for quite some time because, you know, the game wasn't anywhere near finished, but we wanted that feedback on the moment to moment gameplay really early on. So had a very small core group of players that were checking it out, giving us feedback. We iterate really quickly. Michael, as I'm sure you remember, we were doing releases every two weeks early on, which was a crazy hectic pace, but it allowed us to have, you know, really quick turnaround time to take the feedback we were hearing and get it into the game. So, you know, early alpha was really for that sort of almost external prototyping. Then with the beta phase of development, you know, we felt like, okay, we've, we've feeling pretty locked in on the core elements of this gameplay. Uh, let's see if we can get it onto an additional platform, which in this case was PlayStation and get it out to a wider player base, get more feedback, but you know, the details at this point are more in the, the finer print rather than you know, large overall, like large scale feedback. So beta was great for many reasons. You know, like I said, different player base, first opportunity for us to release on a console, which was actually a first for us as a studio, which was really cool and exciting, um, and continue still working on that core moment to moment gameplay. Now, we're a really small team. We started really small at the start of this project. There were around 30 of us at that time. We've grown substantially since then, which has been really exciting because it's a it's a big project. But it takes time to get onto multiple platforms. So we felt that it was really essential that when we launched the game, it was available on all consoles as well as PC. That takes a lot of engineering work to do and shout out to the team because it was such an undertaking and you don't really see many games, you know, do that because it's a very ambitious play, but they pulled it off super well. And we knew that we wanted folks to be able to, you know, party up with their friends, regardless of what consoles they play on or platform. And so it really was, you know, small team, ambitious goals, took us time to get there, but um we got there in the end that's all that matters <laughs> well i know as soon as it came out a lot of people wanted to check it out and i've had a number of people kind of just come to me and say hey you gotta check this game out let's see what you're doing yeah buddy <laughs> how about i tell you about this <laughs> but, <laughs> i mean i've I've enjoyed playing it and I've enjoyed sharing what I knew. Uh, well, what I know, what I knew, the things that have changed and progressed. Because admittedly, when it first came out, I was like, okay, this is definitely different than pretty much any of the other VR games, VR games that I want to write out. Because I'm not, there's no gun. There's 
it's just spells that completely change based on what you do. Um, so you can throw a rock, or you can throw acid up to a certain point, you can throw fire maybe, and then combine stuff. And then when you're playing as a team, it completely changes the game because then what you do, your teammate maybe combine that with something else. And it's, it's certainly interesting. It's certainly different. Um, can you tell us a little bit by, about what kind of made you guys go in that direction with Stonebreak? Absolutely. So for anyone that's watching right now, I'll give you a very quick overview of Spellbreak. I have to assume you already know about it if you're watching. But so Spellbreak is a really fast paced magic slinging PvP game. So the core game mode right now is Battle Royale, but we've always intended it to be larger than that and to introduce additional game modes. But we'll focus on Battle Royale just because that's, you know, what most people are are playing at the moment. Um, so the idea here was that, you know, we were seeing Battle Royales really have a moment in the marketplace. And this was early on. This was, you know, we've been developing it for several years. So this was before we were, you know, seeing Apex or Fortnite. This was, you know, early on PUBG days. And we're like, oh, this feels really cool. We like this sort of like, you know, last man standing element, but we're not really... A studio that likes to focus on hyper realistic art styles we're not really the type of studio that likes you know to have guns in our games and so we sort of wanted to reimagine it where we're like okay like what would this look like if you were a battle mage and you were able to you know cast spells with different elements and have them interact in interesting ways within the game like what sort of doors would that open for us to play around with in gameplay we started really early on prototyping with like the fireball and with um, the toxic spray. And we we're like, okay, this this feels good. But now what is this supposed to look like? Um, and let me tell you, Spellbreak looked really different early on. It actually started as like when we were prototyping back when it was called Longshot. It was originally like a Viking game with some melee weapons and it just didn't feel quite right. So once we got that feeling with the spells, we decided to you know explore what that might look like. and our art director, who is just such a talent, um, you know, created this vision in his mind where it was like a very sort of like painterly style gameplay. And we ended up, you know, as an art team, exploring that style, putting together what we call like a vertical slice, which is just a very, very small sample of like, not necessarily all the gameplay is in there, but we wanted to see what that would look like in, you know, in the world from an art standpoint. We showed that off at GDC a few years ago, and it felt like people were responding really well to that visual. It died, and <laughs> this should hopefully be fine moving forward. Let's cross our fingers and uh, pray to the computer. <laughs> to the stream gods. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. <sighs> Let's get something. Okay. In terms of the elements, I know you kind of went in the direction of why you guys picked Spellbreak, but can you delve into pretty much like how you came about when it comes to fighting? Because um, I know it's the elements um, versus guns or weapons and stuff like that. And I know some of have asked or you have seen questions about like, hey, when are you guys are going to bring weapons in? Or like, is it going to be like a magic cannon or magic mini weapons or something like that? Um, so why, why in this method where you get gauntlets and like items that you wear that boost your stats? Sure. So I feel like this is a, it's, this is a multi-part question. So I'll start with where the inspiration came from and then we'll kind of go from there. So the inspiration here was really that, you know, as a studio, we, as a team, we want to work on games that we would want to play in our spare time. You know, this is very much a, a creative profession. And so... Many folks at the studio, we really like that sort of like fantasy style gameplay. And we started thinking, you know, like magic within a game uh, from a combat standpoint can be kind of challenging to figure out. So we were like, okay, well, what would it look like if we did elemental magic? And what if you had your sort of basic spell, um, which, you know, you could fire off frequently um, and a stronger sorcery, stronger, but, you know, you can't use it quite as often. Great, that felt good because it gave us some extra options from a gameplay standpoint. 
then we were like, okay, well, uh, how does this magic interact within the world? And we wanted to approach it from a systematic standpoint where we're like, what you see within the game should in some way, shape or form actually make sense to you from an elemental standpoint. So for example, you spray poison on the ground, you throw a fireball at it, you get this explosive um, flame that has an AOE damage. Right. That kind of makes sense, you know. Uh, similarly, you uh, you shoot your ice bow, and there's a trail of ice on the ground. After a few seconds, evaporates, or sorry, it melts into water, makes sense, and then evaporates, and there's steam. So especially if you throw fire on it, that steam can damage you. So we kind of wanted to follow some natural rules, but still have it be inspirational. So that was where the gameplay really started. Um, and from there, since you asked about items, um, we're also really inspired by RPGs as a studio. We have a lot of folks internally who have worked on RPGs and MMOs in the past. And so we're like, okay, we like this Battle Royale style, style of gameplay, but we want something deeper. So how can we put our own twist on this? And, and what does that look like if we were to introduce RPG elements into this? That's where items came in. And Michael, as you know, because you've been, you know, in early alpha, the game was very different at that time. The items were extremely different at that time. And, you know, each item had its own, you know, benefits. And we were like, you know what? That's actually really hard in the moment to moment gameplay where you're just trying to loot and grab and pick up everything that you can and then, you know, get out of there as fast as possible so that, you know, you don't get shot. So we were like, okay, how do we streamline those items so that they're simpler? Okay. Now they're just rarity based. And it's like, okay, if you see something that's a higher rarity, you can assume that it will be it will be better. And you don't have to sit there and, and like read the little descriptions. Okay, still not deep enough. What's next? That's where the talent system came out. We were like, we really want to introduce the opportunity to have different builds. Uh, because like I said, we are all RPG nerds here. And so talents were like our answer to being able to introduce different skill sets and different builds for players to really craft dependent on their own playstyle outside of the match so that they didn't have to think about it so much when they were in the match. So that was sort of the evolution of the system. And so all of those different elements, including uh, runes, which give you different mobility um, opportunities within the game, were our you know, twist on adding RPG elements to the game that would deepen the gameplay without making it so complicated that you had to sit around and, and be reading descriptions in the middle of a crazy, hectic battle. So, a number of questions that I have based on what you just said. The first one, actually, um, runes. The, I know I've seen people start to say, well, here's the best runes. Like they started to pretty much try to make competitive meta builds based on runes and like not wearing certain items, so on and so forth. Have you guys been taking any of that into consideration or even thought about that before implementing certain things? Absolutely. So um, if you are not, if any anyone watching is not already on the Spellbreak subreddit, that is something that we focus on a lot. Our design director, Jesse, um, is always writing articles on there that sort of delve into the thought process that he and Dan Ogles, our chief gameplay officer, sort of come up with when they're, you know, adjusting the items, the runes, um, everything that sort of, the talents, everything that sort of plays into the meta. And the idea here is that we wanted players to be able to craft their own builds so that they could play with their own playstyle. And of course, you know, you'll you'll hear folks say, well, like this this meta is OP. This one feels unbalanced. Um, that's all part of the process. You know, we are always actively monitoring feedback that we're hearing from players, and adjustments get made every patch from a balance standpoint. So the idea was never to really, you know, lock in like this is the meta, and the only way you can be great at this game is if you play this class with this rune equipped and hope that you find, you know, this other gauntlet once you're in the match. Um, we didn't want that. We wanted it to still be very, you know, highly skilled gameplay, but allow for wiggle room for people to have their own play styles. Like, for example, I will never play Frostborn because I am so, so, so bad at sniping. Like, I just, I'm not good at it. And I like that that I don't have to play Frostborn to succeed in the game, you know? So... Um, 
yeah, we're always monitoring what folks are saying because we do want to make sure that, you know, there isn't, you know, one one true meta to rule them all. So adjustments are always being made. And, you know, more than just the runes go into meta. It's all of those things that we already talked about. So there's, you know, the spells and, and how much damage they're doing. There's talents. There's runes. Um, all of that sort of plays into balance. And so we try and be very flexible and fluid and not get too locked in on any one thing or get too stagnant because we recognize that as the game changes, as other features get added that might also change the meta. And so we're always sort of adjusting the um, various aspects as we go. Oh, this is a question that I've seen a lot of people talk about spelling. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> and especially those pesky people that decided to um, stay up inside the air, like landing on trees and stuff like that, just to make sure that, you know, you can't really do anything to them. Personal consideration to what stone. I know you said ivies, like that's not really a thing. How do you feel about stone? Sure. So I think that is, you know, different people's play styles. 100% at play right there. So stone, um, for folks who maybe are newer to spell break, is, you know, extremely powerful, but it's ground based. So if you're playing the Tempest class, for example, and you're constantly, you know, your skill set is allowing you to constantly be up in the air and off of the ground. Um, yeah, your spell is is less powerful than stone. Um, but if they can't hit you, then they can't kill you. Right. So um, for me, I am I'm not a stone main. Um, but I appreciate the playstyle, and I also think that it's quite accessible for newer players. And I think that that's really important. I think that there's a balance that you need to have in a game where it's like, yes, there should be a high skill cap. Yes, you should be rewarded for being a highly skilled player. But also, if you make it so inaccessible for new players, then then that doesn't feel great either. So um, totally understand where folks are coming from when they're like, oh, stone mains. But um, I think they have a place in Spellbreak. Cool. So just diving back just a little bit. I noticed that you guys, well, that you mentioned um, two other products from Polariot, which was World Domination and Streamlining. But I was surprised to see that there's actually another product that's kind of near and dear to Twitch <laughs> called Stream Legends, which I'm not sure if a lot of people have played it, but it's actually a pretty interesting game, like, especially when you is waiting for a streamer to come online or they're on VR back or something like that. It's, you can go ahead and build up your own like world in a sense and just like start, I should say, clan. But just play it like that. But how does it come about to make like so many different games? Like what's Prolariate about in terms of that? Sure. So one thing that I love about working here is none of the projects that we've worked on, like look the same. Um, so World Domination was our first title that was um, released right before I joined the studio. That was a mobile title that was a combined tower defense and tower offense game. So, you know, tower defense was really popular at that time on mobile. And we were like, okay, what's our personal spin on it? We think it would be really cool if there was, you know, a flip side here where you could also um, be on the offensive. So it was a game where you could either play as the zombies, which were offensive, or the survivors, which were defensive. So we sort of made two games within one mobile app and then, you know, created um, some social aspects like guilds and, um, you know, in-game events that could happen between the two different sides to, you know, create that sort of, um, that community within the game. So community is a really strong thread that has carried us through all of our games. So that was a mobile title. So much fun. Next title Streamline looked so different. It was a PC title. And at the time, um, we were as a studio and actually still even to this day, we've been around for seven years. We've been live streaming on Twitch since the early days of Twitch. And that's always been really core to um, you know, things that we're passionate about. So Streamline was our take on like, what if we made a game that was really dedicated to live streamers and gave them opportunities to interact with their player base in fun and interesting ways. So rather than, you know, a lot of 
games, um, you might see that, you know, a, a streamer might want to play with their community on, you know, some kind of community day. Um, but that can be inaccessible to folks that don't have the game or can exclude people who, you know, if there's a small party. So our response to that was, you know, Streamline was the fast-paced arena-style multiplayer game. And there were 16 people in a match. And typically the live streamer would be the um, person, if you kind of picture like a, a game of tag, they're the one that they're running around tagging you out, except it was um, you're hitting you with a stop sign. <laughs> um, and we wanted, you know, the live streamers to be able to interact with their community. So we created Stream Mote, which was our play on like a stream remote where folks could, it was just uh, browser based and folks could hop in there and they could vote on what was happening within the game. So it would happen live. Uh, let's say, you know, 60% of chat voted for the floor is lava. The floor would actually turn to lava within the game right there. So it was an interesting way for us to sort of play around with, um, you know, different dynamics that really supported live streamers, which transitions us into stream legends, which was what you originally asked about. We were like, okay, well, like what happens when the streamer's offline? Or um, what happens if the community is maybe craving something that's a little more active than just voting on something? Stream Legends was our Twitch extension, which uh, allows streamers to, you know, just sort of get the extension and it's live on their page. And then folks can play this sort of RPG as they're going and level up the, you know, the, the town for the live streamer. So it was a way for people to be more active, to have something to engage with, even when the streamer was offline, because we found that that's something that a lot of streamers said to us was that, you know, I want to keep my community um, entertained, engaged, even when I can't be online. Like, how do I do something like that? Stream Legends was our um, attempt to sort of uh, answer that for them. So it was a small like RPG style game. Um, and then Spellbreak, of course, you know where we ended up there. So um, very, very different games. And so we, as a studio, we're always sort of, you know, revisiting. We've only ever worked on, um, you know, IPs that were created by us. Um, we've always had a, a really strong stance on, you know, what sort of gameplay um, we want to introduce to our community. And we've really been able to stick by that over the course of seven years, even though they're very different projects. Um, very different gameplay styles, very different genres, very different platforms. Um, but all throughout it, we wanted stuff that would be, you know, fun and exciting to live stream, had that sort of gameplay that people people wanted to watch and wanted to play, um, and introducing ways to introduce those social aspects so that people could play with friends. Because for a lot of us, you know, games are very social. Um, and we always wanted to include that. I know you touched on one the team being kind of small and also what you just mentioned about community and whatnot. I know that you guys do have jobs opened for anyone that might be interested. Um, so if anyone's interested, you can head to pro lariat, P-R-O-L-E-T-A-R-I-A-T.com slash careers. You can find the job listings there. They do have some pretty interesting ones, um, but there was one that kind of caught my interest, and I'm not I... sure if you can talk about it, but I saw a listing for something called 2K Games. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I can. So first of all, I love that you like you have the link right there. Um, if anyone watching is looking for a job in games, we do have a ton of openings. We have a really awesome team here, a really great dynamic, and you should totally look into it if you're interested. Now, to talk about that 2K position, um, don't be alarmed. The proletary team, we are 100% fully focused on Spellbreak. Um, there is no like secret secret title there that you know we're hiding, but you you discovered on the careers page. Um, 2K is actually a strategic partner for us and an investor, and they're awesome. And we found that you know one of the best ways to um, learn and grow is to share your share your findings with other studios. And so that position is really just to make sure that, you know, on both sides, um, since we are strategic partners, that there are shared learnings there. So that's what that role is all about. I really understand that. And that's actually pretty smart when I think about it. <laughs> so let's jump in a little bit back to Spellbreak. And 
I know on the topic of Reddit, which you mentioned earlier, which is just, mm -hmm. you know, slash r slash celebrate, just, you guys posted the roadmap. How are we looking at in terms of that roadmap? Because that was posted a little bit ago. I know we've already jumped into chapter one, and there have been some updates since then. Sure. So, um, that roadmap, uh, Jesse did preface when he wrote that, that like, hey guys, please be aware, roadmaps change. Um, a lot of things happen in development. Sometimes things take longer than anticipated. Sometimes something pops up that we think, ooh, actually, you know, we want to reprioritize what we were committing to because we think that this feature would actually be more important for us to have. So a roadmap is always going to be rough. Um, we're never going to be able to like fully commit to everything that's on our roadmap because things um, shift and evolve and so does our strategy. So um, the prologue went live in the most recent patch and that is the introduction to our chapter system. So chapter one will be releasing in an upcoming patch and I'm sure you'll be getting more details about that soon on Reddit and I can't divulge too many spicy details for you all but I would say that you know the the roadmap there um like Jesse said the stuff that we say is coming you know in the near future that's that's normally um pretty baked and so you know if you see something if you see someone say like oh this is coming in the next patch we're already deep in progress on it when you see the stuff that we're talking about on the roadmap that's like a couple months out that's the stuff that's either you know a really large feature so it takes us a lot of time to implement it things can change it can evolve as we go along or it's something that's just a twinkle in our eye at that point and it's like we'd really really like to do this we hope that we can do it um if something else pops up and we need to reprioritize that happens um that's actually a big part of my job as well is always making sure that you know we are talking to the product team that we are protecting this vision that they hold for our game but also making sure that we are those um the the sort of the push and pull there that's like okay like you know that sounds amazing and awesome and we'd love to do that we don't have the the time or the you know resources to do it at the moment so it needs to move further out or something like that so um the roadmap is something that you know is a guide but isn't necessarily a fully locked in like every step of the way sort of thing so I know that you said you can't really give too many hints. Is there any hints that you can give us? So the hints that I can give you are already in that roadmap. Um, but I will say, um, so the the prologue um, that folks are already playing was, you know, our our early our early take on a more basic chapter system. And chapter one um, is bigger. And hopefully better. We hope you think that. Um, but you know, the the focus on that from you know a story standpoint, because we do think that the world of Spellbreak. I'm a little biased, but we think that it's a pretty interesting world, and we wanted to deliver more of you know the lore to players. And really, you know, it's not. It's never going to be the kind of game that's it, that's incredibly story driven because of the style of gameplay but we wanted to make sure that we were building that sort of world outside of the match um and creating interesting new uh cosmetics that would go along with it and different sort of gameplay dynamics for folks to explore within that sort of delivery system so we've been working really hard on chapter one and i'm so excited for folks to be able to play it soon and you'll probably see more details that are sanctioned by um the folks who typically communicate externally uh, coming in the next few weeks on our subreddit. Michael, don't call me out like that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so earlier on, we also talked about how elements really have this world. Like you mentioned, you use an ice bullet. It's over, then it changes to water, then it changes to steam. I know people have been asking about friendly fire, especially when it comes mm -hmm. to teammates that they may not know, um, especially those that they're completely random. Uh, they decide to just jump in, play clash or something like that, and then their teammate just try to kill them so they can get the wounds there. Um, what's happening in situations like that? Is there anything being looked at? 
So I can say that anytime you have some sort of like hot button issue that the community is bringing up a lot, we are, we are watching, we are listening. Um, the hard thing is, is that, you know, development takes a while. And so sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, like, like, why didn't you fix this? Um, it just, it takes time. And so for Friendly Fire in particular, you know, in the prototype stages, especially as we were, you know, starting to work on more like team-based gameplay styles, um, like squads, for example, um, we tried it without Friendly Fire. And we found that, you know, it was, um, you know, it didn't, it didn't quite have the same feel and it didn't quite um, make sense really in the world because it's like, oh, you can't just like stand in a puddle of fire and you're like, I'm fine. Um, so then we kind of went with like full on friendly fire and it was way too chaotic and people would die and it was like really just like not quite right either. So I feel like it's kind of the Goldilocks principle here where we tried to find a sweet middle ground where it was like, yes, you know, there were still um, actual gameplay repercussions but they weren't so punishing that it was, you know, that you were constantly dying to um, to your teammates' friendly fire. So um, have we absolutely nailed it? Maybe not. It sounds like the community is, you know, has some thoughts and feelings about that, but keep communicating with us because that is something that we are, you know, always monitoring whenever folks are like, this, this doesn't feel quite right. So Reddit. What about your own magic doing you harm because there's the concept that well it's my magic so mm -hmm. why is it hurting me so you know i don't know what our like official stance is on that and again i'm not i'm not a, a gameplay designer but my personal stance just what i think from playing the game is again i think that you know and trust me i have <laughs> I've killed myself in a match more times than I would like to admit, honestly. Um, but it, again, it feels real to me. It feels like there is this sort of inherent set of rules within Spellbreak, and they make logical sense to me. And so, for from my standpoint at least, it's like I would expect if I, you know, stood in a in flames or poison that I would that it would damage me. So, other folks might not agree with that, but um, yeah. I don't know what our official stance is, but that's how I feel about it. <laughs> so, my other question is that before Flash, we had duos. Any idea if those will be coming back, or has Flash have really taken that space? What's happening in terms of rotations? Sure. So I don't have an official ETA or anything, but we do anticipate rotating different game modes. So that's something that we've we've always done um, as we've introduced additional game modes. And so I would expect to see the see rotations again in the future, but I don't know the timeline. Okay, that's fair. Um, now, I know during the roadmap, you guys also mentioned things like gauntlets, classes, elements, rooms. Can you tell us a little bit more about that or, you know, anything that might be, because I know I also mentioned things like items in the past. So, again, I don't have anything official to announce, but we've always sort of, um, as a studio, taken the stance that we want to see more of all of those things in the future. Um, we think that, you know, there's a lot of new gameplay opportunities that we can explore and new boundaries that we can push within the game um, to make the game more fun, exciting, gameplay more varied, all of those things. So um, I can say that from an internal standpoint, we've done various explorations, um, especially with like art style and all of that, because there's, there's a lot of um, art that actually goes into this as well and prototyping and all of that. So um, while I don't know when folks might see a variety, uh, sorry, new variety in runes, gauntlets, um, items, all of those things, um, it is something that that we want to focus on moving forward in development. And I know that there's consideration for limited modes. Is there any thoughts on making something like custom matches so you can kind of set parameters? your match to say like you know you want these things to be able to happen 
so on and so forth. So I think that's a really cool idea. Um, if you look at the that roadmap, and maybe maybe we can drop it in chat at some point. But in roadmap in the roadmap post on Reddit, we talked about a couple of different things that we wanted to explore within the coming months. So uh, that was limited time modes as well as more like ranked or competitive modes. So that's something that is on our radar, and we like to hear ideas from our player base as well there because it's you know the nice thing about this is that like the world is kind of kind of our oyster and we we like to hear what what folks want to see in in different modes so um i can't confirm that we are you know working on custom matches right now but i think it's a really cool idea that we could explore in the future that's awesome now i know during the conversations we had before this well, you're actually able to have this interview today. Um, I found out that East, well, Spellbreak doesn't really have an esports program, but I know a lot of people are already taking a look to see, you know, this is Spellbreak, this is the Battle Royale, this has got to be an esports thing. It, what, what's being looked into in terms of that? Sure. So, in terms of what is, you know, being defined from like a roadmap standpoint, um, I don't really have information there. The approach that we've typically taken is that, you know, you can't force esports, if that makes sense. It's like we've, we've seen it tried in the past and, you know, I'm not going to name names or anything like that, but we've seen it tried in the past and, you know, you can't force it. You can throw as much money at the problem as you like, but you still can't force it. There has to be something there that gets the community excited. And so rather than, you know, for try and force the esports side of this by you know introducing different like features or something like that the idea rather is like letting it grow organically so letting the community sort of take this and run with it and we support along the way so we have lots of examples of that so um we've supported various tournaments so we did a tournament with element we did tourneys with becker college which is a, a somewhat local university um, and more recently, we did Twitch Rivals, which was really cool and exciting. And so I think that there's absolutely potential here. And we're really excited to see where it goes. But I think it's more it's going to be more of a collaborative effort rather than um, a strategy that's purely executed on our end. We want to work with the community to see what opportunities are there and then support where we can along the way. So essentially, it sounds like as you're looking to see where the community starts, and if they really go with esports, then you guys will start to spawn as well back. Um, I'm going to give it some credit. Yeah, I think we already are backing it with the capacity that we can, but we we recognize that you know it's a bit of a a slow burn here, where it's like as the game sort of um, changes and evolves, and as you know more folks get into the game, because it's on it's still only been you know just under. Yeah, just under, today's the third. So just yeah. almost two months since we released back in September. Um, and so we think that there's like so many, so many new places that we can go, so many avenues that we can explore. So we definitely want to support this as as the game grows and evolves and as the community gets maybe more invested in the esports side of it. Okay, cool. So I know I only had you for an hour, so I'm... <laughs> not going to try and get that I, this was i know people like i mentioned at the very beginning of this stream people had some stuff that they wanted to keep an eye on and whatnot we're not going to say anything particular but um i would like to thank you for coming on um i know this got a lot of people by surprise that you guys were actually coming on to interview for stars and much less on today like today <laughs> um but that being said um, is there anything you want to say before, or let everyone know, whatever you want to <laughs> before we actually end off? Sure. Um, so first of all, it was my pleasure, Michael. This was so much fun, and I hope that it provided a little bit of entertainment and excited maybe distraction for some folks who are, um, you know, maybe 
located in the U.S. today. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think one thing that folks should know is, is you know, what we're doing on the community side, because I think that's where folks can really start to get involved and they might not know some of the resources that are already available to them. So if you're not in the Spellbreak Discord, we have a huge Discord. It's actually one of the biggest Discords out there. And um, we really pride ourselves on you know, engagement with our community there. So we have an awesome community on there. Our dev team is always on there, especially our talented community team, interacting with folks, making sure that they feel heard um, and, you know, supporting different initiatives. Like um, we have like Fan Art Friday and things like that. So we love to see the community creating content and sharing that on our social media channels. Um, some other things that we do are we live stream regularly on Twitch. There are several weekly streams that we do. Um, one of the ones that we're doing more recently, which I think is super cool, is the Ask a Main series where you can actually have, um, you know, high level players, um, really advanced players are sharing their sort of tips and tricks for getting really good at a particular class. So I recommend checking that out. There's also the Spellbreak Academy, which we're working on with um, Element, again, which we've done a tournament with. The content there will focus on teaching new players the ropes and, and helping them sort of improve their gameplay. I probably need to do it myself. Um, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> so what's, I know the last one I think was Tempest mm -hmm. um, for the Ask a Main series, but what's the difference going to be between the Ask a Main series and the Academy? Because I know you said one is going to be more focused on like learning how to play them but isn't some of that also kind of relevant for the academy as well sure so i think that there's definitely overlap but it really depends on where you're at with your spell break journey so you know i think that some of the more advanced techniques that we're discussing in the ask a main series you know might be a bit a bit over folks heads so i think that you know folks who are um, really new to Spellbreak or sort of that intermediate level player will probably find some content that really resonates with them with the Spellbreak Academy. And then folks that are more in the intermediate to advanced, um, you know, style of gameplay um, will probably find more in the Ask a Main. Of course, you know, the, the content is probably still valuable regardless of where you're at in your journey, but slightly different focuses. Um, but yeah, sorry. You were also telling us the rest of the stuff with the community. That's okay. There was only one more thing that I did want to mention to folks. Um, for all of our content creators out there, our content creator program is now live. You can check it out by just going to spellbreak to play spellbreak.com slash creators. And um, it will tell you your different you know benefits that you would get as a content creator if you're accepted into the program right on that page. But um, like I said before, we've always you know, worked closely with content creators. And we really think that live streaming and, you know, recorded content is is so awesome. And we want to support that in every way that we can. So if you are a content creator or you're interested in becoming a content creator, um, we would love to work with you. So check that out. And I think that's all that's going on in the community at the moment, but there's always more to come. We're always cooking up new initiatives to make sure that we're staying involved and investing in our community and engaging with them in fun and exciting ways. So I think the Discord and the Reddit and our live streams are a great place to go if you want to learn more about Spellbreak or be part of our awesome community. And to join that community um, content creator program, do you have to have really like put in a lot of effort into Spellbreak or could you be someone that's looking to jump into Spellbreak and you're looking at making that move? Sure. So I don't. I'm not super clear on all of the criteria just yet, but I think that the goal in all of our times, you know, because when I worked on Streamline, for example, I was a community manager and I was handling our creator program there. And the goal isn't, you know, to be like, okay, we're only going to take the biggest streamers that reach out to us and, you know, make sure that, that they get our full focus. Not at all. We really want to make sure that people who are passionate about the game and passionate about the community and growing it and seeing where we can take it are the folks that we focus on regardless of size. So, you know, don't feel like if you're you're just starting out that you, you know, you shouldn't, you can't apply. It's like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You say no and you try again, you know, a little later or something like that. It's like, you know, it's absolutely worth a shot. And we, we you know, are very excited to introduce that program. And I'm sure that it's going to only grow in the coming months and hopefully be more exciting for folks. So apply if you feel inclined. All right, folks. 
Jill, I expect you to be doing that because I see you inside my chat. <laughs> but again, thank you so much for coming on today's show, Jen. It means a lot. And thank you guys from, and I speak for the community, for making it break. It's been a blast doing it so far, and I look forward to what developed from it further in the future. Well, we are so excited to bring you all new content. This is really a journey that we're taking with you guys. And so we're really excited. And thank you so much for playing Spellbreak. And especially, Michael, for you, for folks that have been involved since, you know, really early access, that means the world to us. It's like, you know, knowing that people saw the potential for Spellbreak before it was really there. Um, that's a special journey to go on with our player base. So thank you so much for being a part of it from really early on. It means the world to us. Like I said, it's been great. So folks, if you're looking for more information, of course, play Spellbreak. You can find a lot of information out there on the website, their Reddit, their Discord, their YouTube, and of course, just by playing the game itself. It's actually really, really fun. Um, it's not a huge download like other games that are making headlines out there. No names. And you get to enjoy and have fun in a very, like, it's a decently sized world that you can just run around and run inside buildings, run outside of them. You don't have to build anything. Um, and you just have fun trying out different elements, seeing what works, what combos, and then if you actually have someone that's a teammate and not trying to kill you, then you can see what it works with that. <laughs> so, unless, you know, you just somehow randomly get married by three other people and they just decide that they want to kill you. What but, a ringing endorsement. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this week's episode of Esports Rock. We're going to be back next week, Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, hopefully with less issues than we did with this episode. Um, and our sister show, More Tech, is going to be back um, with this first episode this upcoming Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, too. Until next time, folks.